And one, two, three. Welcome everybody to the Life Point Table Talk podcast. My name is Jason, and today we are coming in on uh, week 23 of our Bible reading reflection. Uh, thank you all for joining in and following along. And if you haven't been following along, that's all right, too. Jump on in. And so we are on week 23 here. We are cruising along. And today, as always, we have quite a bit to cover. And I just want to say I really have enjoyed uh, doing this um, Bible reading reading in a year with this specific program, uh, the old and the new. And part of what I like is it keeps you at a quick pace. The chunks are pretty big. I know some folks aren't going to want to read that much, but it keeps, uh, it keeps it in uh, biblical narrative form, which is basically just, it keeps, keeps it a story. Uh, so you're not getting too bogged down with, with uh, rabbit trails and too much uh, theological stuff because you got to keep going. And uh, the story keeps on going. And so um, I I like that because it is a story. It's a different way to look at it. So anyways, this week, uh, like I said, week 23, we're at Second Chronicles. Uh, we got Second Chronicles 13 through 33 and John 14 through 18. And uh, let's jump into it. We got a lot to do in Chronicles here. And basically, this is retelling of uh, Kings. Um, so we went through a lot of this through Kings. Um, but again, there's some different information here. It tells it from a, a little bit of a different perspective and um, some some really great stuff in here. So let's jump in. So the kingdom has just been divided. There was David and Solomon and then his son Rehoboam and uh, Jeroboam uh, split the kingdom. So there's Israel and Judah, and um, uh, they're pretty much immediately at war with each other too. And uh, last time a prophet had come in between them and stopped them, but they are uh, still fighting each other. And uh, so we have... Uh, Rehoboam's son has become king of Judah, uh, Abidjah, uh, sorry, Abidjah, uh, king of Judah, and Jeroboam is still king of Israel, and there is war between them. Uh, Abijah challenges Jeroboam because he, uh, he believes God promised David's family, he, which he did. Uh, to rule over all of Israel and Judah. Um, and that Jeroboam conspired against Rehoboam when he was young and took advantage of his youth. And um, uh, Jeroboam and their people have rejected God. And um, as Abijah is giving the speech to uh, Jeroboam, uh, Jeroboam's army, Israel's army, surrounds them, and uh, Judah's army 
uh, begins to pray to God, and Abijah leads them into battle, and Judah's army wins. They kill 500,000 Israeli troops. Um, and it says Judah won because they trusted God. Uh, and after this, Abijah becomes more powerful, and Jeroboam becomes less powerful. Um, man, there's so much to go through here. I will try to uh, not leave stuff out, but we gotta keep it keep it moving. Uh, Abijah dies, and his son Asa becomes king. Uh, again, it, it lists these guys, as, and immediately says they follow God or not. Uh, Asa followed God and led Judah to worship God. He destroyed the other gods, so God blesses Judah with peace while Asa uh, was king. Uh, which is good to know. It wasn't always warfare uh, going on. There were times of peace that and stability uh, for these people. And uh, he builds up the walls and the defense towers, fortifies the city, uh, builds up his army. Um, this is pretty incredible. They are attacked by, it says, Zerah the Cushite. Uh, or Ethiopian has this uh, leader of a huge army. It says a million uh, people in this army marched against Judah. Uh, Asa prays to God uh, that God will help them, and God delivers them and helps them defeat uh, this mind-boggling army, a million people. Uh, Judah takes home a huge plunder from this. Um Uh, the prophets, Azariah uh, comes to Asa, the king, uh, encouraging him to help or seek God, and God will help him. Um, there is suffering and chaos throughout all the other lands uh, surrounding Judah, and the prophet says it's because they're not following God. Uh, but if if he will follow God, they will have peace there. Uh, so he does. He swears allegiance to God, and the people make an oath to God. Uh, and it says, During that time, many people came to live in Judah because God was with them, protecting them. Uh, it was kind of a secure uh, place in the middle of a whole lot of other uh, chaos going on. Uh, he also rebuilds the temple, begins rebuilding the temple. Uh, this happens a lot. It gets built up and then torn down, and then built up, and torn down. Uh says there was peace in Judah until uh, Asa's uh, 35th year. Um, and so the 36th year of his reign, uh, King Baasha uh, invades Judah. Um um, the king of Judah takes the gold uh, from his palace in the Lord's temple and makes a treaty with the king of Syria to try to um, help him out. And Syria sends in troops and helps out Judah uh, because they paid him a bunch of money. Um, but then the prophet goes to the king, king of Judah, um, and tells him what he did was wrong because he de he uh, depended on uh, the king of Syria instead of God. 
And he says, now you will never defeat Syria, uh, and you will never be at peace again. Um, it says, at this time, the king becomes angry, and he's cruel to the prophets and to his people. Um, and he uh, gets a disease. It has these uh, details in here, but refuses to seek the Lord for help and uh, eventually dies from it. After um, Asa, um, uh, Jehoshaphat, his son, becomes king, uh, he follows God, and God blesses him. Uh, Jehoshaphat becomes very rich and respected. Uh, he has the Lord's law taught through all of Judah. Um, uh, even the Philistines and surrounding nations eventually start bringing him gifts and it says they're all afraid of the Lord. Uh, but as we get into 18, Jehoshaphat uh, signs a peace treaty with Israel's king Ahab. Uh, Ahab wants Jehoshaphat to help him to attack. Uh, uh, there's a battle there, and um, they join forces uh, for this war. And um, it gets into this interesting uh, story. Jehoshaphat wants uh, assurance from God that it's the right thing to do, and so they bring in all these prophets. And Ahab has his prophets who come and tell him what they want to hear, that they'll have victory. But there's uh, another prophet, um, and Jehoshaphat is not satisfied uh, with these other guys, so they bring in this other one. And... Um, Micaiah, and it's fascinating. They they press this guy. Ahab doesn't want to bring him in because he always brings bad news, and uh, um, so they eventually bring him in. They press him, and at first he just says, "Yes, it's going to be great. Like all the other prophets, you're going to have success." And uh, uh, they keep questioning him, and then he then he relents and tells them what he actually saw. And he, what he saw was God enthroned with his heavenly assembly. And he's asking them, who will go and deceive Ahab so that he dies in this battle? And uh, a spirit steps forward and says, I will, and I will go be a lying spirit through uh, Ahab's prophets. And um, uh, I, there, there's a lot there. That's a huge... Um, uh, rabbit trail for me. Uh, um, uh, but uh, keeping going, uh, Ahab is mad. <laughs> he still doesn't listen. He has uh, the prophet put in prison. And so they go and attack and go into this battle anyways. And uh, Ahab dies uh, in this battle, exactly as was prophesied to him. Um at this point, um, it gets into, we're at 19, uh, Prophet Jehu confronts uh, Jehoshaphat and says he should not have been involved with Ahab's war, um, but because he served God, God has mercy on him. Uh, Jehoshaphat encourages the people of Judah uh, to follow God. He appoints judges. And Levites over these judges as officials. Um, 
so Je- Jehoshaphat's one of the one of the better kings here. Uh, um, eventually, the all these other nations come together to attack Judah, the Moabites, the Ammonites. Uh, they all come together. The this huge army and surround Judah. Um, Jehoshaphat uh, calls on the people to fast and seek God. He assembles everyone and prays to God for help. Um, and it's interesting because in the prayer he's noting how these these were nations that God uh, had told Israel to leave alone when he when Israel was coming into Egypt, and um, uh, and he mentions how they had had mercy on these nations and now these nations were repaying them. Uh, by attacking them, and uh, so while while they're there together praying, the spirit of God comes on um, Jacaziel, and he prophesies, and he says, "Don't be afraid. The battle is not yours, but God's. March against them. Uh, don't attack, but just take your positions. God's going to fight the battle for you." So the next day, they march out. And uh, this is pretty cool. Jehoshaphat appoints musicians to play and praise ahead of the warriors. And they're uh, going ahead of them, singing thanks to the Lord. Uh, they, they often sing this, this uh, certain phrase, give thanks to the Lord for his loyal love is forever. Something to that effect. They, uh, uh, during this time, they sing that song a lot. Um, when they began to praise the Lord, uh, God suddenly attacks the enemy. The enemy actually, he confuses them, and they begin attacking themselves, and uh, they end up wiping each other out. Uh, these different nations end up fighting amongst themselves and wiping each other out. By the time Judah g- gets up to them, uh, there's nothing but a bunch of dead bodies everywhere. And so Judah carries off a huge plunder, and uh, it's pretty cool. They call the place where God led them to victory the the Valley of uh, Barakah or Barachah, something like that. And uh, the valley where they blessed and praised the Lord and um, had victory. Uh, so they return praising and rejoicing. Uh, it says, after that, all the nations feared God. Jehoshaphat's kingdom enjoyed peace. They were secure on every side. Um, so a time of peace now for Judah. Jehoshaphat was king 25 years. After he dies, his son Jehoram is king. Jehoram takes the kingdom and kills all his brothers. Uh, not a good way to start. And uh, he also has married Ahab's daughter, Ahab uh, and Jezebel's daughter. And these uh, the people in Israel, they're actually very much involved serving other gods. And uh, back when we were talking about how uh, Jehoshaphat had joined Ahab uh, to fight that battle, part of the deal was that they had peace because these... Judah and Israel were always at war, but they joined together. Part of them joining together, Jehoshaphat had uh, the royal families intermarry. So he had uh, his son marry uh, 
Ahab's daughter, and she as an influence, uh, a big influence on the kingdom. And so um, Jehoram now uh, follows in Israel's ways, which were evil like Ahab. Um, but God spares him, it says, because of uh, the promise he made to David. Uh, and so Elijah the prophet confronts Jehoram, uh, that God's going to afflict the people in your family. And uh, it's pretty graphic. It says uh, he's going to have uh, a disease, an intestinal disease. It's pretty nasty. And um, uh, shortly after this, uh, the Philistines attack. They take everything. And uh, Jehoram now has this incurable disease and dies a painful death. Only his son, Ahaziah, is left. Um, but Jehoram, uh, was an evil king. It says no one regretted his death and he didn't receive a royal burial. Um, his son Ahaziah becomes king. He does evil, uh, like Ahab's family. He's influenced by his, his mother, Athaliah, which is Ahab's daughter, um, he joins uh, Ahab's son, Joram, in battle. Uh, again, they're joining together. And they're in this battle together. Then, then they are have retreated from this battle. And so it's the two kings together. Um, Ahab's son, Joram, of Israel, and Ahaziah of Judah. And this gets into the story where uh, God has ordered... Jehu to uh, basically take revenge or uh, deal out justice to Ahab's family. And uh, Ahaziah has uh, become connected. So they are, they all end up getting it. Um, so Jehu meets both of these guys. He kills Joram and all of Ahab's family and eventually tracks down Ahaziah and puts him to death as well. And when Ahaziah is killed, his mother, Athaliah, which is Ahab's daughter, uh, decides to kill all his relatives so she can rule, so she takes over. Um, but they hide Joash, his son Joash, and they hide him in the temple. And he hides in the temple for six years while she ruled. And then we get into the story of how eventually he is brought up. Uh, Jay uh, Hoida, uh, who is a, a priest in the temple, makes a pact with all the officers uh, throughout Judah. And they go to the Levites and the heads of the um, families in Israel, the leaders, and he's telling them how God had promised David's descendants uh, to be kings, so they should make his son um, Joash king. So they all make a covenant together. It's basically a coup. They are going to get rid of Athaliah. And um, so they all come together, and uh, he makes the Levites guard over Joash at all times. They place guards around the temple, 
and they have this ceremony where they anoint Joash king. And it was coordinated uh, coup, and uh, so they're all shouting, long live the king. And Athalia hears it, the big celebration, and comes down to see what it is. And she sees what's going on, and she's shouting uh, treason. And they take her out and execute her, and they make uh, uh, Joash king. And uh, it's basically insinuating she was not a kind ruler because all the people are happy now that Joash is on the throne. And it, it literally says the land has rest because they killed Athalia. Uh, Joash reigns for 40 years. He was only seven years old when he became king. Uh, he repairs the temple. He does a long story, but he does a huge collection uh, for the temple. Uh, everybody gives this incredible offering of silver. Um, uh, Jehoiada, the man who helped him, uh, says he dies at... Uh, 130, um, and he, he had a really great influence on Joash, but once he's gone, there are other officials in Judah who come, and they sway the king to follow other gods, uh, but God sends prophets to try to warn him and lead him back. Uh, amazing. Uh, it says, so, so Joash has decided to go serve other gods, and uh, one of the prophets that he sends, it says his spirit comes on Zechariah and he prophesies before the people, uh, why are you violating God's commands? You will not be prosperous. You've rejected the Lord, so the Lord will uh, reject you. And the king, Joash, has Zechariah stoned to death. And uh, at that point, the Lord hands over Judah and Israel over to attacks of Syria. Syria uh, come in and attack. And after the battle, uh, Joash's own servants kill him. And it says it was because he killed uh, the person who prophesied, uh, Zechariah. Uh, it was a payback, revenge. Uh, but his son, uh, Amaziah, becomes king. Uh, he's only five years old when he becomes king. He rules for 29 years. Uh, it says he followed God, but not wholeheartedly. Uh, more revenge. He kills the people who killed his father. Uh, they got the cycle of revenge going on. Uh, he has this major victory uh, battle, uh, in battle over the Edomites. And at this time, uh, they bring back all this plunder, and one of the things he brings back is their gods, uh, their idols. Says it brings he brings it, and he personally, personally worships them. Um, and uh, uh, since he turned from God, uh, the. Um, uh, it says uh, his own uh, people conspire against him and kill him. He's assassinated by his own people. His son Uziah is then made king. He's king for 22 years. It says he followed God. He was successful in battle and grew in power. Uh, he made a very large, strong army. 
uh, he becomes very powerful, it says, but when he became powerful, it destroyed him. He goes into the temple and offers incense in a disrespectful way, not the way they were supposed to, and the prophets warn him not to do it, but he does it anyways. Only Aaron's descendants were supposed to do what he was doing. And um, while he's yelling at uh, the priests because he wants to do what he wants to do, he gets a skin disease that appears on his face right then and there, and he runs out of the temple. From then on, he has um, this skin disease for the rest of his life. says he had to live in um, separate quarters, even, and uh, he di eventually died from it. Um, his son, Jotham, becomes king. Jotham reigns for 16 years. It says he followed God. Uh, he did major repairs on the temple, and he was successful in military campaigns. Uh, next is Jotham's, Jotham's son, Ahaz. Ahaz is king for 16 years, says he did not follow God, made images of Baal, even sacrificed his own son. His own son, he burned him up. Uh, and he leads all the people of Judah away from God, and so God punishes them. Syria attacks Judah and Israel. Uh, well, sorry. Syria attacks Judah, and then Israel attacks Judah, uh, both devastating defeats to Judah. And then the Edomites attack Judah. Then the Philistines attack Judah. And then the Assyrians attack Judah. So uh, calamity after um, calamity here for them. Uh, but Ahaz won't repent. Uh, and it says he doubled down on the other gods. He followed them even harder. He smashes all the sacred things in the temple uh, for uh, uh, God. He smashed up the temple. Uh, it says eventually he dies. His son Hezekiah becomes king. So amazing the, the shifts between these kings. Some are awesome, and the next one will be terrible, and then it'll be a great shift. So from Ahaz, the guy smashing up the temple, we get to Hezekiah. Hezekiah follows God. He rules for 29 years. He goes in and repairs the temple. He cleans and purifies the temple. Ahaz had put in all this uh, uh, idols and shrines to other gods in there. So he has the Levites go in. He begins putting them back to work, purifying the temple. They finish purifying it, and they begin to make sacrifices again. Uh, they bring out the instruments David had made. Uh, they're back, and uh, it takes time, but he gets the whole uh, temple up and running again. And uh, eventually he has all the people celebrate Passover again. They hadn't been celebrating or following um, their traditions. And um, it's interesting. He sends a, He sends a message out to not just Judah, uh, but to Israel as well to try to get them to return to God. And uh, it says most of the people in Israel laughed at them and mocked them. But few, uh, some, some people came back to Judah. Uh, but the people of Judah happily followed Hezekiah. Uh, they have the biggest Passover celebration since the days of Solomon. Uh, after the, the big festival they have, uh, uh, for Passover, the people go out and destroy all the shrines and gods that had been made throughout Judah. 
they b- begin bringing huge offerings to the temple. Uh, the the Levites are working full time again, and uh, it says Hezekiah is successful as a king because he followed God. Um, and it talks about how the Assyrians planned to attack Judah. They had camped around Jerusalem. It's an amazing story. Um, it's interesting too how these are retold. They're they're some details are left out, uh, and others are added. Uh, so the Assyrian commander is sending letters in, uh, these terrible letters, uh, saying oh, he's going to kill them and God won't rescue them and all kinds of, uh, nasty things about God. And Hezekiah begs the Lord for help and God sends an angel that kills all the soldiers in this Assyrian camp. Um, and it kind of, uh, quickly goes through the story. In Kings, it's much more fleshed out. Uh, one of my favorite uh, stories. Amazing. Uh, around this time, uh, it, it goes over Hezekiah got sick, and God heals him, and this is when it adds, but Hezekiah is not thankful to the Lord. Uh, later, he repents, and God has mercy on him. Uh, it says Hezekiah is extremely rich and prosperous. Uh, Babylon sent messengers to ask him about uh, God and uh, the signs that he had given him when he was healed. And uh, as we know, that uh, uh, became uh, part of Judah's downfall later on. Uh, That was a mistake, letting these guys from Babylon in. Uh, But it says it doesn't get into that here. Uh, That's in Kings. Hezekiah is faithful to God. Uh, he dies, and his son Manasseh becomes king. Now we have another shift. Uh, he's 12 when he becomes king. He rules for 55 years. He disobeyed God, uh, followed the custom of other nations. Uh, so we're right back into it. He builds altars to Baal. He practices magic and witchcraft. And he also sacrifices his own son. Uh, God sent uh, prophets to warn Manasseh and the people, but they wouldn't listen. They kept on going. Uh, so God lets the Assyrians invade. They capture Manasseh. Since they put a hook in his nose and chains on him, and they take him to Babylon. Um, this is interesting. the The way this story reads is 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 a little different to me than the way it's in Kings, because um, it says while he's while he's there, Manasseh asks God for forgiveness. And uh, he's eventually allowed to go back to Jerusalem to be king. Uh, It says when he returns, he removes all the idols and images of other gods. And he begins building, uh, rebuilding the temple. And he leads the people back to worshiping God. Um, It's pretty amazing. Uh, I feel like I remember in Kings, it went on and on about uh, the evil stuff of Manasseh. but uh, his repentance and coming back to God is pretty incredible. Um, uh, but it says eventually his own officials plot against him and kill him in his palace. Uh, and the people are mad about this. The people of Judah kill those officials that assassinated him. His son Josiah becomes king. And that's where we end on our OT reading for this week. Um a lot of uh, drama there with the kings in Chronicles. And uh, you get good ones and you get bad ones. 
back to back and uh, a lot of intrigue and uh, coups and assassinations and uh, all kinds of wild stuff there. Really great. Uh, let's jump over to our New Testament reading. We are in John. Um, we've got 14 through 18. So it starts off here in John. Uh, a lot of this reading today is Jesus talking to his disciples. So it's him, uh, his teaching to his disciples. And so he's talking to them. Uh, it starts off here in 14. He's saying, don't, don't be worried. Have faith in God and me. Um, saw some, uh, my father's house has many rooms. I'm going to prepare a place for each of you. I will come back and I will take you with me. And uh, at the end of that, that's, that's a, a kind of a famous, uh, famous words of Jesus there. He says, you know the way to where I am going, uh, which is pretty amazing. Um, and Thomas says, we don't even know where you're going. I love it. I don't even know what you're talking about. How can we know the way to get there? Uh, and I love this stuff, but it's also um, Jesus. Jesus speaks in a peculiar way to me. Um, he he. Sometimes he speaks really straightforward to them, and sometimes uh, it seems a, a kind of elusive. Uh, but it, it's it's not. Um, but as you can see, they don't. They're they're not always grasping what he's talking about, and uh, so. Uh, sometimes it sounds like he's not really answering them, uh, but he he is. Uh, so so Thomas says, "I don't know where you're going. How could I know how to get there?" And uh, he says, "I am the way. I am the way." And says, um, "I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Without me, no one can see the Father." And uh, Philip says, "Show me the Father." And Jesus says. Uh, Philip, I've been with you a long time. Don't you know me by now? When you see me, you see the Father. And uh, it goes into this long thing um, where he's just talking to them back and forth. And um, it says, if you have faith in me, you will do the same things I do. Ask and I'll do whatever you ask. If you love me, do as I command. That comes up a lot. Um Soon the world won't see me, but you will. I will send the Holy Spirit to help you and always be with you and show you what is true. Because I live, you will live. If you love me, do what I have said. Here it is again. Um, I will love you and show you what I'm like. Um, and the disciples are saying, what do you mean you'll show us, but you're not going to show the world? Um meaning the world won't see him how he he keeps talking about how he's leaving and they're, they're not going to see him but they'll see him later and it's just confusing um for them uh and he says again if anyone loves me they will obey me i will come and i will live in them but if they don't love me they won't obey the father will send the holy spirit to take my place i give you peace only i can give not like this world so don't be worried and afraid I'm telling you before I leave. I can I can can't speak much longer. This is interesting because the ruler of this world is coming. What? 
Um, because, but he has no power over me. I obey the Father. Um, amazing. Uh, we get into 15. He's still talking to his disciples. Um, he says, I am the true vine. The Father is the gardener. He cuts away the branches that don't produce fruit. He trims those that don't produce fruit so they can produce even more. Um, that's amazing, this this be fruitful and multiply um, idea is so core uh, to the gospel, to the scriptures. Um, uh, uh, We're supposed to be producing more than ourselves. Um, and uh, so he's saying, stay joined to me and I will stay joined to you. If you produce fruit, if you can produce fruit, you can't, sorry, you can't produce fruit unless you are connected to me. There we go. Uh, if you are not joined to me, you will be thrown away. Um, remain in my love. If you obey, you will remain in my love. That's how you remain in his love. Uh, I tell, tell you this so your joy may be in you and full. My command is to love one another as I have loved you. And again, this is getting near the end for Jesus. Um, his time is coming, and he's, he's getting down to... Um, he's speaking more and more plainly to his disciples on the, uh, 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 the main point of his ministry, which is that, the, the love command. Love one another as I have loved you. And he talks about his love. No greater love than this, than the one who lays down his life for his friends. And uh, he's calling them friends now. Um, you're, you're his friends because he's telling them plainly now uh, what's going on. Uh, he says, I, you didn't choose me, I chose you. Again, he reiterates this command. This is my command, uh, love one another. And talks about how the world will hate you because it hated me. And it says they will hate you because you don't really belong to the world. And they'll hate you because I chose you out of the world. And if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Um and it's interesting, he talks about how if he didn't speak uh, speak these things to the people, they wouldn't be guilty, but now they have heard, so they have no excuse. Um, pretty intense um, idea there, because uh, he's talking about also how they've seen miracles, and they still hated him and the Father, and that makes them guilty. Um the idea of knowing of once you know something, you are now responsible for it. Uh, you can't plead ignorance. Uh, that's pretty heavy. Uh, at 16, we get into um, Jesus is uh, still talking to his disciples. Um, we're leading up to 17 here, and that's when the actual uh, passion begins. Um, 
he's telling them this, he says, so they don't fall away uh, when persecution comes, because it's coming. And uh, he's about to leave. He's literally about to leave, and a whole bunch of stuff is about to go down, which he's been foretelling, uh, but they're not ready. They still haven't totally uh, understood what's going to happen. Uh, but he's trying to comfort them for what's about to happen. He says, the Spirit will guide you into all truth. Um, and they, the disciples are asking, what do you mean in a little while you're leaving? Um, and again, Jesus is talking in this kind of poetic way. Um, to me, it it's not super straightforward. It just isn't. They're like, what do you mean you're leaving in a little, you know, a little while you're going to leave? It's Jesus' response is, you will be sad, but then you will rejoice. Uh, when I see you again, you'll have joy no one can take away. And then whatever you ask uh, the Father in my name, you will have. Um, it's not really a, a super direct answer, uh, even though he is answering them. Um, I think there is probably a reason for his vagueness. Um and and here he, he he talks about a little bit because he he says I've been talking to you in obscure figures of speech, but a time will come when I tell you plainly about the Father. I came from the Father and entered the world, and I am returning to the Father. Um, so I, right there uh, tells you uh, he's definitely talking in obscure figures of speech, uh, which sometimes uh, is a little confusing, but also amazingly uh, enlightening. Um, the disciples say they believe, and Jesus says, do you? Do you believe? Really? Because uh, he knows what's about to happen. He says, the time's coming, you're going to be scattered. Uh, but I've told you these things so you'll have peace. Um, it's amazing. In the world, you will have troubles and sufferings. But take courage, I have conquered the world. That's one of my favorite scriptures. We get into 17. Uh, when he's done saying these things, he looks up and prays. He's giving thanks to God. Uh, his time has come. He's asking God to glorify him so God can be glorified. Um, he says he gave... You gave me authority over humanity so I could give them eternal life. Eternal life is knowing you in Jesus Christ. I glorify you by completing the work you sent me to do. Glorify me at your side with glory, the glory I had before the world was made. Amazing. Jesus then prays a blessing over his disciples. He prays... Uh, over them and everyone who will have faith. So in a way, he's praying over us, praying over me way back then. Ask God to keep us safe from the evil one, that we would have uh, the complete joy that he has. Uh, that he may be one with us and that we may be one with one another so that the world will believe. Um and then at the end of there, it's interesting. He said, I, I want everyone who believes to be with me wherever I am. He's with us always. Um, that's part of his prayer there before he, before he goes. 
uh, that the love of God becomes part of them. And now it starts. 18, uh, after Jesus prays, he goes into the garden to pray. It says Jesus, Judas knew this place. It must have been a place they had been going to get away and pray. He brings along with him Roman soldiers and uh, chief priests and servants. And um, they come up, this big gang. Jesus says, who are you looking for? They say, Jesus. And this is amazing. Jesus says, I am Jesus. When he says it, they are pushed back and fall to the ground. Um, again, he asks him, who did you come for? And I think he's saying this because they had uh, grabbed everybody, all of the disciples. And they say, Jesus. He says, I'm him, so let them go. Uh, you came for me, not them. Uh, interesting, Peter pulls out his sword at this point, cuts cuts off the high priest's servant's ear. Um, John doesn't list the healing, as far as I can tell. He leaves that out. Um, Jesus tells him to put it away. He has to drink uh, the cup uh, the Father has given to him. They rest him, tie him up, take him to Caiaphas. Again, it, it makes note Caiaphas, remember, was the one who had said it's better for one man to die uh, for all the people. He had prophesied. He's, that's the first person he goes to. He, he was one of the masterminds of the whole, uh, the whole uh, crucifixion, or, or Jesus' death, having to die. Uh, Peter follows. He's in the courtyard. Uh, goes through um, uh, his denial. Uh, calls uh, a slave girl or a servant girl. Is there a uh, doorkeeper who asks him if he was a disciple? He says no. While they're questioning Jesus, um, Je Jesus says basically, "I've done my ministry in public. You've heard what I said. You already know what I've said. I don't, you know." You're asking me stuff you already know. Uh, during this time, Peter's waiting out in the courtyard, and he's again asked by the people around the fire there uh, if he was a disciple. He says no. Um, and then and then one of them, it uh, sounds like, was actually there when they arrested Jesus, and Peter was there. Because uh, he says, hey, weren't you there? Didn't I just see you there in the orchard with Jesus? Uh, and he says no, and the rooster crows. And um, so it's morning time now. Jesus is then sent to Pilate. Uh, Pilate is asking Jesus if he's king of the Jews. Um, Jesus says, are you asking? Or have they influenced you? Have they told you about me? Uh, he says, my kingdom is not of this world. If it was, my servants would be fighting for me. And Pilate says, so you are a king. Uh, and Jesus, it's weird. He says, you say I am a king. I was born to testify to the truth. If you belong to the truth, you belong to me and listen to my voice. And Pilate says, what is truth? Pilate uh, goes out, uh, says he finds no fault in him. Uh, it's custom for them to release a prisoner. He says, you want me to release him? I can release him. But they say no, they insist, and um, uh, they want Barabbas, who was a revolutionary. And that is where we end. So uh, we are now into uh, the final um, 
hours, really, of Jesus' life. Um, amazing. I love these. This final, um, these final messages to to his disciples, uh, where he's really emphasizing on his command to love one another, as he did, laying down his life for them, and emphasizing serving one another, being with one another, and uh, obeying him, following him, uh, and also his joy being made full in us, and um, just incredible stuff there. So that's that's it for this week. Uh, we covered a lot of ground there. And uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And uh, um, continue to follow. Next week we're coming in at week 24. And hope you all have a great week. We'll see you next time. All right. Peace.